Sticks. Welcome to the podcast, Love and Misery. Love and Misery is a podcast that examines famous and infamous mm-hmm. couples throughout the ages. We're your hosts. Favorite. Infamous. Infamous. I'm Clark Forte, and of course, my co-host with me is lovely and talented. I feel very poised today. I don't know about that, but uh, but thank you for that. I am Mindy Forte. Welcome, and feel free to reach out to us. Let us know how we're doing. Um Negative comments, no need to pass those on. But They will go directly into the circular <laughs> file. Actually, and, you know what? We do want your critical yeah, comments. We do, if, we, we do. if we're really bad in some areas, just yeah. feel free to let us know. You know, how can we do better areas of improvement? Right. But try and do it with like what we like. I like to call it a poo sandwich. Something good, the poo in the middle, yeah. and then end with something good. It really softens the blow. That's very managerial. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wow. Um, wow. Okay. And I also want to say one thing. Okay. Yes. It's been a while. Yes. It has been months. And so I am very, very rusty. So I apologize rusty. ahead of time. Nah, you're fine. Um, well, I, I'm really rusty, but we're going to get back in the swing. We're, we're getting there. All right. Okay. Today, back in the saddle. Back in the How saddle How many more euphemism, euphemisms can I use? I'm not sure. Go uh, ahead. As many as you want. Okay. I don't know. We're good. Um. Feel free to email us at loveandmiserypodcast at gmail.com. And the and is spelled out. And tell a friend if you really like what you're hearing. Tell two. <laughs> tell two. That's how we grow in listenership. Also, you can tweet at us. <laughs> I don't know. At do we, sign. Do we ever check? Forte do you ever check the, underscore the Twitter? Clark. Do you check I it? do check the okay. Twitter. Well, yeah, because we've like our last Forte underscore dot Clark hasn't really had a lot of tweets. We've tweeted out quite a few things. We well, tweeted out the Dolly Parton once, no and we tweeted out we tweeted out to um, Norman Lear. What about uh, and uh, to Dateline guy, Sir Paul McCartney? Yeah, my favorite guy. No, I haven't tweeted to the Dateline guy. We haven't had a Dateline thing. Oh, no, I know, but Keith okay. Morrison. Yes, Keith Morrison. Just because we mentioned it before. <laughs> Okay, fine. Doesn't doesn't. <laughs> oh, that pesky DNA. DNA. All right, keep going. We need to start. <laughs> okay. This is this is this is already starting poorly. I told you I'm rusty. You're fine. Go ahead. Okay, let's see. So if you looked at the name of the podcast, or you heard our podcast last time, this podcast is about Justinian and Theodora. And now the beginning of our story. Yes. Okay. Great. When faced with death. This Byzantine emperor was a cowardly figure. However, the same could not be said of his wife. An example is during a revolt in Constantinople in the year 532. He was he was ready to make a run for it. But the audacious empress implored him to stay to save his reign. She arose from her throne and uttered the phrase, If you wish to save yourself, my lord, there is no difficulty. As for me... I agree with the saying that royal purple is the noblest shroud. But she had not always been so majestic. Born in the hippodrome to a bear keeper and an actress. That is some couple. That's my own addition here. Is that Not a beekeeper, a bear a keeper. A bear keeper. Yeah, he works you know. with... Yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. She came from the lowest rung of society. Nonetheless... Her involvement with politics began at an early age. Her family were members of the Green Faction, supporters of the corresponding Green Hippodrome team, whose followers were from the working class, possessed 
and they possessed a degree of political influence. The rivals were the Blues. Uh, kind of sounds familiar. <gasps> the greens, Green the and blues. blue. Go green. Just saying. Go ahead. Um, the Blues were a team that was backed by the upper and ruling classes who were held considerably higher in political uh, influence and leverage. If you heard our podcast last time, or if you read the title of this episode, then you know that we're talking about Justinian and Theodora. Theodora was born around AD 497 to 500. Nobody really knows. There's really little to know about her early life. According to the, quote, secret history of Procopius of Caesarea, <laughs> she was born in the Hippodrome in Constantinople. But there are conflicting reports of her birth and her childhood. Some people say that Theodora was a Greek descendant, but others, several others, say that they don't know. There's, there's inconsistencies with her possible birthplace. According to Michael the Syrian, her birthplace was Magbug, Syria, um, which meant that she was a native of Cyprus. The Patria from George Codinius, I think I might have messed that up, but that's okay. You're trying. Uh, I'm trying. Claims that Theodora came from Paphlagonia. Pap oh, man. Uh, that's good. That's good. Okay. Okay, fine. I'm not going to try again because people will just be like, oh, it's fine. I'm sure it was fine which is historically known as An Anatolia, which is modern-day Turkey. I can definitely say Amen, that. sister. Her father, Acacius, was a bear trainer of the Hippodrome's green faction in Constantinople. And her mother, whose name is not recorded, and, and I know you did. You looked all over for it. You told me. I did. You, you I said, looked I can't all over find the, the name. Internet. I couldn't the... find anything. She was a dancer and an actress. So her parents had two more daughters, the eldest named uh, Camito and the youngest Anastasia. When um, her father died, uh, Theodore was four, and her mother brought her children wearing garlands into the Hippodrome and presented her as an applicant to the Blue Faction. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, she comes from a a line of strong women. Wow. Right. Yeah, yeah, Think about yeah. that. Think about right. This. I mean, this is AD, folks. <laughs> this is five hundred AD. From then on, Theodora would be their supporter. Uh, Procopius goes on to report that from a young age, Theodora worked as an actress and a part of the misery, a prostitute. Sorry. There's no sorry. Okay. That's, that's fact. Yeah. Um, occupations that were not deemed respectable in Byzantine society. Um, nowadays, I mean, actresses are actually somewhat revered, I mean, if they're very popular, right? Um, at the age of 16, Theodora went to North Africa as a companion of an official and stayed there for four years. On her way back to Constantinople, Theodora stopped at Alexandria, where she adopted monophysistium. You know what that is? Um, according to your research, which you've done very well. <laughs> Thank you. It is a non-Orthodox branch of Christianity. Right. Correct? Yes. Okay, there you go. After her conversion, Theodora changed her lifestyle and earned her living as a wool spinner, um, meaning she was spinning wool, right? Making thread and <laughs> stuff like quite... that. And, 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 you know, to sell to people that yeah, would yeah, actually make clothing and stuff like that. And she returned to the capital. Right. Much, much different than being an actress and a 
the other thing. Right. Okay. So, I mean, that's good, <laughs> right? She found Christ- this, uh, you know, non-Orthodox branch of Christianity. And then she, you know, obviously it spurred her on to change her life. Clean up her life. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. While she was still young and leading an unconventional life, she ended up giving birth to at least one child out of wedlock that we know about. Okay. When Justinian met her, she had been converted to Maya fascism. (laughs) You know, you did that better in our rehearsal. A non... Mephistism. That's as close as we're going to get, folks. uh, That's pretty good. Go ahead. A non-Orthodox doctrine, which we will discuss in more detail later. Let's we will say. discuss it in more detail, but we, are we not will not say the name. pronounce it again. Yeah, I can spell it out for we anybody will, at home that wants hey, to look it actually, up. Actually, I think they need to just send us a little note if they want, you know, or <laughs> shout it out on, on Twitter or something. Okay, go ahead. So according to the secret history of the, the, the land there, Theodora followed her sister Kamito's example from an early age and worked in a Constantinople brothel, serving low and high status customers. Later, she performed on stage. Again, this is what we said before. Yeah. She made her way as an actress and whatnot. <laughs> in, in a famous account, Theodora, uh, in a famous account of Theodora, Edward Gibbon wrote, her vino charms were abandoned to a promiscuous crowd of citizens and strangers of every rank and of every position. The fortunate lover who had been promised a night of enjoyment was often driven from her bed by a stronger or more wealthy favorite. And when she passed through the streets, her presence was avoided by all who wished to escape either the scandal or the temptation. Wow. She was like, she sounds like quite a dish, huh? Right. They're like, I don't even want to see her because of either she's scandalous or I might be tempted. (laughs) Wow. I mean, you know, wow. Okay. Well, Theodora, in Precipius's account, made a name for herself with uh, her salacious portrayal of Lita and the Swan. Employment as an actress at the time would include both, and this is in quotes, indecent exhibitions on stage. Oh, I wonder what that means compared to like today's standards of indecent, but Mm. okay, fine. And providing specials. Oh, okay. And providing... I should have read this ahead of time. Yeah. Special services off stage. If you catch my drift, they all catch your drift. That's me. what I put. Yeah. This was his, li- this is drift. his notes. We catch your drift. Okay. Special services off stage. All right. So anyway, later Theodore would travel to North Africa as the concubine of a Syrian official named, um, Hesabulus. And <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was quick. He was the, uh, Libyan, uh, he was the Libyan governor. And um, she was abandoned and maltreated by him, which is no, which is misery. And so she headed back to the capital of the Byzantine Empire. And she ended up getting uh, settled for a while in Alexandria, Egypt. And she is speculated by some to have met the patriarch, Timothy III, in Alexandria. From Alexandria, she went to Antioch, where she met a blue faction dancer. Um, Macedonia, who was thought to be an informer for Justinian. She had obviously caught Justinian's attention, and he was spying on her as he sought to marry 
But Roman law at the time basically said, you can't marry an actress. You're, you're a politician, this and that. You can't marry this actress. It, it was like rank. You could only marry someone in your same like position. Correct. Your ranking or your, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. But he oh, decreed. This is smart. A reformation. He's all like, he's all like I do not like this policy because I want to marry her. Right. So he's like, you know what? It's 524 yep. and um, I'm I, passing a new law. That's My right. new law is this. My referendum is. I am is, decreeing. Go ahead. That reformed actresses, reformed actresses. Reformed. Could. The, the, the key word. Key word here. Yeah. Could therefore legally marry outside of their rank if approved by the emperor. Hmm. Oh, I think it might be approved. It's so good to be these, the king, right? Correct. So these two were now free to marry at last. I would, that's a great idea. Like I can make rules. I don't like the rules, but I can make the rules. So I'm going to make a rule that I like. I, I like that. That's love. Well, yeah, he, he was clearly, in the position of power. And he so loved there you go. Her, and he wanted he to, did. I mean, he, yeah. you know, sent people to look out for her and stuff. Okay. Nice. And that same law stated that daughters of the, these actresses would also be free to marry a man of any rank which would have allowed Theodore's illegitimate daughter, whose name has been lost, so we're not sure, poor thing, we'll just call her Jane Doe, to marry one of the relatives of the previous emperor, Anastasius. Now let's talk about Justinian. Justinian was born in Tiresium, Darnidia, about 482 AD. A native speaker of Latin, and then I put in my notes, possibly the last Roman emperor to be one, to be able to speak in Big. Latin. <laughs> he came from a peasant family believed to have been of Illyro-Roman or Thakaro-Roman. His sure. mother was Vigilantia, which is an interesting name. Yeah, I kind of like it. And he was adopted by his uncle Justin, who was commander of one of the Imperial Guard units, the Exubiters before he became emperor. Oh. He insured Justinian's, or he- um, Yeah, he insured that he insured his, his education. adopted son was educated. That's good. Yeah. As a result, Justinian was well-educated in- Jurisprudence, yeah. theology, Roman history. All good. All makes a good emperor, right? Absolutely. And Justinian served as a candidatus, candid, what? It, candidatus. One of 40 men selected from the Scalo Pantia uh, to serve as the emperor's personal bodyguards. Mm, okay. Okay. The chronicler, John, who lived during the reign of Justinian, describes his appearance as short, fair-skinned, curly-haired, round-faced, and handsome. Okay. I mean, all those things together could be handsome for sure, right? Absolutely. Well, and I heard another contempt. I didn't hear it. <laughs> so, gossip. But you know, that's the gossip. Right. Um, that another contemp contemporary historian, whose name is Procopius, compares Justinian's appearance to that of the tyrannical Emperor Domitian. Domitian. Yeah, that's, a, that's right. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, you tell that. This okay. is the next part. When Emperor Anastasius died in 518, Justin was now proclaimed as the emperor. This is new, his uncle. Yes. Right? Okay. And with significant help from Justinian. During Justin's reign, which was from 518 to 527, 
Justinian was the emperor's close confidant. He showed. So my understanding is that Justinian showed a lot of ambition and it was thought that he was functioning as like a virtual regent long before Justin made him the associate emperor on April 1st in 527. Although there's no conclusive evidence of this. Mm -hmm. So he's been doing the job before he got the promotion, which you know what? We, a lot of us do that, right? We do the job yeah. and we get the promotion. Right. You know that. Yeah. And that's the same year that Justin died. So well, and as he became, as Justin became senile near the end of his reign, Justinian really became the de facto ruler. Correct. Right. Byzantine Empire in 555, under Justinian as the first ruler, showed great energy. He was known as the emperor who never sleeps for his work habits. Nevertheless, he seems to have been amiable and easy to approach. And Justinian's rule was not, well, not universally popular. Early in his reign, he nearly lost his throne during the Nika riots and a conspiracy against his life by dissatisfied businessmen. And that was discovered in uh, 562. That's crazy because... Right? Um, Who wants to? That's no good. Yeah, that's no My good. My life? A conspiracy? <laughs> the Empire Never Sleeps. That's like, uh, it's got to be like a Star Wars reference, right? <laughs> No, I'm just really joking. no. I'm, there was there's something I know what you're talking about. No, something there never sleeps. No, there's like a lot FedEx of people. Well, I mean, there's I remember, I remember like um, you know, We're Jimmy Carter. I know. Well, you always we kind of get, veer off the topic, well, but I remember Jimmy Carter. They were um, a lot of people were unsettled by because uh, he, he would read everything that came across his desk, and he uh, was we, considered we the president that never slept. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, we'll get, All let's right, get back let's, on topic. Let's really get back on topic. We got to get this knocked out. <laughs> our re, our listeners are wondering what's going on. Yeah, well, Justinian, who had mm -hmm. always been a keen interest to the um, theological matters and actively participated in debates for you know the Christian doctrine, became even more devoted to religion during his late years of his life. Uh, he died in November actually November 14, uh, in 565, he was childless. Mm. He didn't have a child. Mm -hmm. He tried, I, I think, uh, but he never had one. He was succeeded by Justin II, who was the son of his sister. Help me out here. Vigilantia. There you go. And, and married, married to Sophia. Right. That's easy. The niece of Theodora, uh, Justinian's body was entombed in a specially built mausoleum in the Church of the Holy Apostles until it was, oh, that's terrible, desecrated and robbed Yeah. during the pillage of the city in 1204 by the Latin states of the Fourth Crusade. It's almost seven years, 700 that's, years later, that, they're no, desecrating his that's terrible. grave. That's I mean, terrible. No, you should, no matter how long it is, uh, just, seven minutes, 700 years. I mean, that's, no, that's awful. I agree. Right? Yeah. Both Theodora and Justinian are represented in mausoleums that exist in this day in the um, Basilica of St. Vital of Ravenna, Italy, which was completed a year after her death. He died earlier on. She died later on. Garland points out, Garland is a historian. He points out that Theodora was depicted in full... Imperial regalia. Yes. Right? Which means... She had elaborate jewelry and all, all of the all the things that attested to her status, right? Right, 
Exactly. And she was depicted as a, a biblical ma- magi. Magi? Maggie? Is that right? Maggie? Maggie? Maggie, I think it is. Uh, yeah, we should have. <laughs> I, I tell you, this. we've been away from this for a while. I'm not going to lie. We need to work on pronunciations. And actually, we're going to, the next one's not going to be historical. Historical, historical is, is hard. It is because it's there's a lot of me. names. And I, I'm maybe I didn't study enough that. in high school. I'm not sure. I know I didn't. I didn't. I I know I didn't. I said maybe to be nice, but I did not. <laughs> and um, so I think uh, we're going to do something a little bit like easier, right? A little lighter the next time. Yeah. I don't know about lighter, but we'll, definitely easier for me to. And we'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that. Yeah, that's okay. at so the we're, end. we're yeah. Okay, we're, well, we're at keep the going. end. We're, we're almost the there. End. Yes, biblical Maggie. Maggie, Maggie, yeah. Maggie. Garland considers the imagery was chosen specifically to emphasize the role of Theodora as a donator of the basilica. And I'm not really sure what that means. It, donator. It, it, to, to show her status, to show that she was important, to show that she was, you know, recognized. Right. Sure. That's why they that's why in death she was she was shown in her all of her with the jewelry and the 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 robes and everything that's important right to show her status to show her and it says the, the you know value i guess you say even the communion chalice value, you know, which uh theodore holds in her hand represents her gifts true and that is basically it next time we go to italy we should go to this basilica so we can see this that's right let's you know, do that magi <laughs> magi right not Naji. did you say magi i said magi okay my hearing is going. Oh wow, gosh. we got problems. Yes. Are you going to go through the inter- interesting facts? Interesting facts. Yes. This one is interesting. Okay. So one interesting fact is at the age of 16, Theodora walked away from her acting career to become mistress. Mm. Racy. That seems a little bit, yeah. To a Syrian official named Hesibulus. Something close to that. Pretty um, close. The governor of what is now, oh, he was the governor of what is now known as Libya. She accompanied him on his travels to North America and stayed with him for almost four years before returning to Constantinople. She also oversaw the rebuilding of Constantinople. The current building of Hagia Sophia was constructed between 532 and 537 on the order of Justinian and Theodora. And during her husband's reign, Constantinople was rebuilt and reformed to become the most splendid city the world had seen for centuries. Wow. Interesting fact. <laughs> <laughs> you la- you're already laughing Sorry, at Sorry. Okay. The plague of Justinian <laughs> in the years when the Byzantine Empire uh, won uh, brilliant victories, won over the greatest disasters in the world, took place. The plague, which reached Constantinople by ships, uh, bringing grain from Egypt. So this was a big deal. Yeah, this was a big, a big deal. plague. It like, spread throughout Europe. Right. Yeah. The bubonic plague from the Far East was a terrible disease. And following the Silk Route, it spread first to Egypt and then to the capital. The plague of Justinian, which killed a third of the world's population, took Constantinople by storm. Think about that. A third Ugh. of the population. I mean, and I, I had seen a, I actually a documentary on this where this these ships came in from... Ugh part of the country or another part of the world, I should say. And it bought, it brought the bubonic plague with it. That's terrible. I mean, think about, we've dealt with the vid for how many years and it's Uh, nothing like this. I don't even want to talk about the vid. We don't want to talk to, we're not talking about the vid. Okay. Okay. 
We're going to keep this light. We're almost done with this podcast. So Theodora, too, so here, one last moving. thing about Theodora. Yes, Her remember. roots are mysterious. Theodora is one of the most mysterious ladies mm. in history. Uh, historians believe that she was born in the year 500 AD. Despite the tidbits of knowledge, nobody is 100% certain about her origins. Different writers have her name in different birthplaces. Syria, some people say, the um, island of Cyprus. Uh, Papalagonia. There you go. That's right. I pulled that one out. I'm not <laughs> sure if you. it's exactly correct, it's but you were close. struggling. I was struggling. So psh, psh, <laughs> jump in. Anyway, <laughs> so nobody knows. Right. But she was definitely an interesting character, for yes. sure. interesting. Anyway, we are going to continue our series next time. And we oh, have... No, I don't think we should do that one. You always cut me off. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Aren't we going to do the, you know... Yes, that's what I was going to say. Oh, okay, my bad. No, you know, no, not the one written. My bad. Oh, that's oh, bad. Oh, that's bad. That's well, good. That's good. Don't put that in the <laughs> podcast, please. I might. Anyway... um, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to continue our series next time with a suggestion from one of our fans. Many fans, actually, a couple of them said, yes. why don't you do Sonny and Cher? That's right. So now we're going to do Sonny and Cher going, next I, time. That is more in my wheelhouse, as they say. I won't have I to agree. try to, you know, uh, pronounce hard words and things <laughs> like that. I want to give a shout out to one of our fans who is kind of a forced fan, but I now I think he's a fan is Sam. Oh, so, big Sam. Yep, he's going to listen. Yes. And um yeah, so we, we appreciate Sam. right? And we appreciate everyone's support. Yeah. And go ahead and tell all the important details here. Please be sure to subscribe and yes. rate our podcast if you can. Your well, feedback. Well, rate it a 5 or high. If you want to rate it low, <laughs> well, skip some the of, rating. Some of the some of the, you know, listening browsers or what have you don't have a rating system, but some do. Okay. And if they do, Feel free to rate us. And if you don't think we're very good, don't well, rate us very well, low. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> if still... you don't think we're that great, send us a private message and give us some great Even feedback. better. Even better. And you can do that. Thank you. And yes. you can do that at loveandmiserypodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. And the and is spelled out. And, yes. um, and you Clark can also... will manage all of those emails. Right. 100%. And... I probably won't even read them. And you can also t send us a note on Twitter. We're on the twits. Okay. At... No one says that. Stop. <laughs> Do not put that part in the podcast. Why either. not? No one says. And... Okay. You sound like a twit saying we're on the twits. <laughs> <laughs> on the twits. No. At Forte I don't underscore know. Clark. Okay. Again. Just, we're going to start. Start. start thank, that part no. Over. No. Yep. Thank you for listening. We're on Twitter. And Clark's going to give us the address. What is our address on Twitter? At sign. Forte, F-O-R-T-E, underscore Clark, C-L-R-C-L-A-R-K. <laughs> I want to acknowledge yes. some uh, sources, okay. um, Britannica.com, Wikipedia.com, WorldHistory.com, and HistoryExtra.com. They're very and, extra. Right. And again, we will Just speak to you. Soon. We're going to. Next time. Yes. Uh, this There's been a big, big break, and we're, we're going to make up for it we're gonna hardcore put out some podcasts we are yeah we are okay yeah hardcore. Sunny, sunny and Cher, come on we might even sing hey mindy just says, saying says we're I'm gonna throwing knock down the gauntlet out. 
Just throwing it on the gauntlet, and uh, we may even sing. Oh boy, she's that, already singing. No, that's just no, 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 that's just a little. That's a little preview. Oh boy, because this, I don't. The historical topics are great. They're very learning and blah blah blah. But I think I'm going to really enjoy Sunny and Cher. Right. Right. And the beat goes on. Okay. Have a great week.